This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to Nordic Nation from Faster Skier. In this episode, we speak with training partners, longtime friends, and two guys you might see out at Worth Park early in the morning for an interval session, Brian Gregg and Matt Leach. We talk to them about balancing life, work, and ski training as they both prepare for the American Birkebiner at the end of this month. Okay. All right, Brian, uh, let's start with you. So we have, I have two people on the, on the phone um, and I'll have them introduce themselves. So Brian Gregg, you are based in Minneapolis. Uh, give us a brief intro and what are you up to and where are you currently? Yeah, so I'm currently sitting in my office. I work for PRG Financial. I'm an investment advisor on the west side of Theodore Worth Park and I live on the east side of Theodore Worth Park and lived in Minneapolis last seven years, but uh, here in the Midwest since 2006. Can you commute to work on skis? I can. Have you? <laughs> and I, I haven't, I have done it, although I tend to enjoy skiing. I usually ski from my house in the morning and then come home and shower. And oftentimes I'll either take a bike or my car and I like to bring a large lunch. So I probably drive more than I okay. really should. And you are 35 years <laughs> old, part of Team Greg. Is that still the official name? And a dad? Yeah. Matt, please introduce yourself and give a little context to where you're based and what you do. My name is Matt Leach, and I am a co-owner of Pioneer Midwest. We're a ski shop in the Osseo Maple Grove area in the Twin Cities. And um, I'm, um, you know been midwest my whole my whole life i went to osseo high school here about a mile up the road went to the u of m graduated with electrical engineering degree did that for a, a little while and then um i got into retail maybe in uh, about 10 years ago and i've been been in it since and um got uh married to my high school sweetheart and we've got three kids together and uh just uh, run around crazy like crazy parents sometimes all, all the time one of the things I would like to hear from both of you, and how would you describe yourself at this point as a skier? You know, are you a semi-retired, you know, super tour skier? Are you a retired super tour skier? You know, and, and both of you obviously have lots of international experience as well. But how would you describe yourselves? And Brian, why don't you jump in and answer that one first. I think we affectionately refer to ourselves as master blasters. The, uh, <laughs> really? I think really our passion for skiing, that's something that we sort of refer to ourselves as throughout our careers. And it's pretty fun. I think Matt's, Matt's always done a really good job of balancing the family and work life and showing what you can continue to do. Um, it's always very impressive what, what athletes are able to do when they're training and racing full time. And, and I think that's a worthy endeavor, but it's also really fantastic to see what you can do when when you're also balancing those other components. And I think a result to add in is, you know, the week before the Berkey last year is Matt won a super tour. And that that's pretty fun to see that. Uh, felt like there was a while there that there weren't many racers that were competing past their 30s. And so it's fun to, to sort of show that, that you can still be competitive. Yeah, Matt. So how do you do that? I mean, I know you're one of these guys, you can pop up and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah. And I think for example, 
was it last year at Senior Nationals? You popped up and like killed it in a race, or was that the year before? I'm, my my brain is getting a little gray here, but you seem to be one of these people. It's like, oh yeah, Matt Leach is here, and watch out. I mean, how do you how do you pull that off? Oh, that, that was that was two years ago, and um, in Anchorage. Yeah, in Anchorage, okay. and I was trying to sneak onto the, I was trying to sneak onto the Olympic team because uh, I qualified in 2014, didn't get to go, and I thought maybe I could. Uh, hold on to Gosa fitness past. And if I got my diet and training kind of right, I could maybe, maybe, maybe sneak in there still. And I, I was real, real close, but, um, yeah, I, I, I guess I describe, uh, describe me as, um, holding on to ghosts of fitness past maybe. Really? <laughs> <So> I, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 um, yeah, I've, I've been a master blaster. My, I was a master blaster before I was a world cup skier. So when I was, you know, 18 or 19, I thought the only race that mattered in the world was the Berkey. I was like, Oh, I want to do well at the Berkey. That's all I cared about. <laughs> so Brian fish is like, no, you need to try to qualify for U 23s and you got to go race us nationals. And we want you to try to qualify for world cups and probably progress to Olympics. And, you know, I, I, I didn't know what the U S pipeline was. I just knew about the Berkey from my Minnesota high school, uh, ski racing but i but um yeah i mean i can if uh, if i can remove if i can manage my life stress fairly well and get some consistent training and get my get close to race weight i can still ski really fast i'm not quite as poppy as i used to be right like this year has been a little bit this year's been very busy uh with the business we've had uh, a very strong snow winter and we've had organic growth anyways on top of that so we just kind of double whammy so i've not training nearly as much as I did a year ago or even the two years before that, but it's just a different season of life now for me. My kids are getting, my kids are getting older and, uh, getting busier and, and the shop's been a lot, a lot busier. And I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to, you know, do the best with the cards I'm dealt. Right. So I'm not, I don't stress out about it. Right. I, if I can, if I can train really hard and really well and, and fit everything else in, I do. And, but if I, if, if I can't, well, then I got to cut something else out. So there was a time there where, you know, skiing was like mission critical. Like, oh, I need to have a change of clothes and I need to have like the right food before and after the workout. And every thought I had in my brain was, was, uh, how do I get faster? How do I, how do I, how do I maximize my, my skiing? And, and, uh, you know, and, uh, at that time people like, oh, you're a professional skier. I'm like, no, professionals get paid for their profession. I'm still not a professional. I'm just very serious about my hobby. <laughs> right. So right now I'm a little, Right now, I'm a little less serious about my hobby, <laughs> and, and you know, putting out kid fires and family fires and work fires. That that that's all coming first. Um, so when when uh, and so people ask me like, how do you how do you uh, how do you stand so fast? I'm like, I'm clinging to ghosts of fitness past. No, I I just still enjoy my hobby and I try to ski and do as well as I can and just have have fun with it. So so one thing, Brian, you know, I'm curious, like, how did you pick Matt's brain if you did pick Matt's brain? So when you were deciding to have a family, you were still and still are, you know, skiing at a very high level. How did you pick his brain? Like, how is this going to look for me in the next couple of years? You know, I want to stay fit. I want to contend at the Berkey, for example, you know, I want to contend at the Berkey, you know, is it one of those things like, Hey Matt, do I just need to have two really high quality sessions a week? And the rest is sort of just like filler. Uh, I'm curious what that dialogue may have been like between you guys. Training, racing, skiing, finance, and retail, I would say are probably our favorite topics. And <laughs> we spend a lot of time training together. So we talk about that constantly and, and trying to optimize 
every one of those components. And so we share different ideas, different thoughts. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And then honestly, you know, we, we, we share everything we're going to do, but we're also trying to trying to beat each other, you know, every weekend or, or whatever in, in the races. And so you also sort of see what works and say, Hey, you know, this was something that I struggled with, or this is something I'm having a hard time with. And, you know, that's when the other offers advice on, Hey, this, this might be something to try to, to, to make yourself better. Anything that comes to mind that resonated, that was advice given to you that helped you get better from that or vice versa, you know, or the other way around? You know, I think that I would say the key that I've seen from, from watching Matt and that I've tried to transfer into myself is I've uh, started a family as well and I'm working full time. Something that Matt's done most of his career is listening to your body and there's days there's days when you just don't have it doing intervals and you have to say, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to cut out on this interval. And then, you know, where I think the value of our friendship is, we'll have days where, where Matt's, Matt's blown out and he can't, he can't do the intervals. And he's the kind of guy that will say, you know what, I'm going to pop in for the last minute of your interval and I will help push you in that part so that, that you can become better and I try to do the same thing, but really looking at, okay, we're going to look at the things that we really need to hit at this point. You know, both of us have trained a lot in the past and what we need to continue to do to, to stay somewhat sharp is to do intervals. And so that's, that's when we get together now is we pretty much, we pretty much get together to do intervals and it seems to be less and less as, as we're both busier and busier, but throughout throughout our careers and throughout our friendship the the days that we get together are those interval days so that we can push each other and oftentimes that's anywhere from one to three days a week okay and still it's still it's it's that frequent well probably more like the one (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah when when brian was still training full-time a year or two ago uh, and I was working, I would, he'd get, Brian would go train every single day and I would try to catch him two, three, four days a week. But now it's, uh, you know, we've both gotten busier with, with, uh, careers and, and family. So it, the, the, you know, Brian was when, when he didn't have a job and, you know, and I'm like, Hey, I've got kids. I got to drop off at preschool or kindergarten. And I got a, you know, a, a doc appointment. I got to bring one to, and, and I can't ski until eight thirty, eight forty-five. Brian's like, that's no problem, but he's got to be at the office at nine. A lot of times, like, you know, looking presentable to, you know, deal with people's money. Like he's not going to, he's not like me. <laughs> We're like at the ski shop here, I walk in, you know, smelling like stinky ski apparel and, and people are like, that's just normal. Right. <laughs> right. It's street cred. Right. So, uh, so Brian's got to ski early. So if I can't, if I can't get to, if I can't catch him early in the morning, like we skied this morning, you know, cause we started at seven 30 and, and, um, and that was great. We both were free in the morning, but when Brian, you know, full-time job was ski racing, he had a lot, you know, he filled his day obviously with doing tons of stuff, but he had a little bit more flexibility in the schedule that to try to accommodate my crazy life. And now that we both have a little bit more, you know, rigid, you know, he's got a client meeting at nine. You don't want to roll in late for that or like, Oh, I need to cancel that meeting with that, you know, high roller client. Cause I'm going to go, you got to go ski intervals with Matt, you know, 
<laughs> so right, we, right. we we definitely have more you know fixed things in our life that we can't move around as much now. So we haven't got to train as much as I'd, either of us would probably like together, but we still try to as, as as much as we can. But in the past years, when Brian was still doing it, you know, full full time, it was probably two, three, four days a week, maybe even five days a week, and and that's kind of what you know Brian kind of drugged me into 2018 nationals because of that. You know, I was able to get a lot of good training with him and. Like the the last year, it's definitely been busier for for both of us. But again, we just, we still try to connect as much as we can, and and I get a bit more flexibility in the spring and the summer to meet up. So then I can I can I can move around a bit more. We're kind of curious when we were kind of coming up with some questions for you guys. Uh, how did you meet? You know, how many how many years ago did you meet, and uh, what was the context there? So I remember the exact. Well, I guess I don't remember the exact day. It was a day in June, and my brother and I came and we met this training group that uh, meets in the Twin Cities area, coached by Piat Benarski. And it's what's evolved mm-hmm. into the uh, to LNR. And I remember I met my brother and I, it was in the afternoon. It's a pretty warm day. And we, we met at this high school. And we had this convoluted route. And all of a sudden, we popped out in the middle of the woods somewhere. And looking back, we ended up running from one of the tracks at one of the high schools over into theater worth park in the bog and we did some some l3 intervals and usually i'm quite disciplined in my l3 intervals and i go exactly what i need to do but there was there was one other guy and i'm like i don't know if you had the same experience matt but i remember we were both sort of being like yeah you know i'm not working too hard and and whatever but i remember just being gassed because i kept trying to push this pace to 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 beat this other guy and he kept kind of pushing the pace as well and we'd get done and sort of pretend we both weren't tired and uh it actually probably wasn't the best interval set and in how that worked but i i remember that <laughs> interval set in particular because uh i was i was very impressed with this this is a guy that's going to be able to push me and i think throughout our our careers it's really cool because training partners is one thing but you have to have enough respect of your training partner that you can also go the right pace and you're not just competitive in those in those training sessions and and from that session i think we've developed into you know we're very competitive when it comes to a race but our goal in the training session is to make sure that well individually that we're doing exactly what we need to do in order to get faster and then i would say i guess secondary or at the same sense trying to do that exact or helping helping our training partner do that exact same thing and so that's that's where our partnership is in friendship has been really really good that's i mean that's for a lot of people that's tough to do right if you're like oh i need to stay in l3 beyond that like one session where you're probably both sizing each other up right oh, yeah it's like you gotta stay yeah i mean we'll get to that in a sec but i'm, I'm curious like uh yeah what what's your recollection recollection matt of how you guys met and context I do slightly remember that workout and, uh, um, but you know, the, the, but I don't think I realized who Brian was at that time. I think it was just like, Oh, this guy from out of town is training with us. And I didn't really, I don't think I knew it was Brian or I didn't know who it was, but I was just like, I don't know. A lot of those workouts with Piat, like, I don't know. I just, I, at the time I just thought, uh, every interval workout, I didn't know what levels were basically. And it's like, Oh, I just go as hard as I can for as long as I can. <laughs> that's what, that's, uh, that's kind of how I, how I trained. But I remember showing up at the first year of CXE when we went to battle Creek for a, 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 a clinic and Brian had like driven his 
old beater Volvo, like all the way from Anchorage, Alaska to, to, to Minneapolis and pulled into Battle Creek and rolled out of the car. And I was like, oh, I'm here. I'm you know, on the CXC team. I was like, huh? So I, I thought that was, I thought that was pretty cool. But we had to like train a bunch of people. That was kind of my first time meeting Brian. I can't even remember what we did, but I definitely, you know, I definitely was, uh, I was like, oh, it'd be sweet to have, have another guy around. But then he was going to live up in Hayward which is, you know, we did another training camp. Well, I think you missed the May training camp, right? That year, the very first training camp. That was the other thought I had. I was like, oh man, this guy gets to show up in June when it's like nice and sunny and the Midwest is awesome. Like May was like, May was like the crappiest weather I think I've ever seen. It was like 40 and snowy rain mix the whole camp. So it was a... I, I made yeah. arrangements. I went and climbed uh, Mount McKinley. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Day, oh, you did. So yeah. that was that was why I was arriving a little bit late for for the team. That's a great excuse. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I thought that was pretty. I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, oh, Brian, he's like a mountain man. Yeah, I mean, he, Brian, right? I mean, if you let that beard go, you kind of have that look a little bit. I I try to keep it a little bit classier, but the the beard does come out, and I. <laughs> I do love the mountains and getting out and, and playing in there, which maybe seems odd because I'm in the Midwest, but I remember we did one training camp where Matt and our friend Andre, myself, and brother, we all went out and climbed Mount Maria right before the training camp, and that may not have helped our 3,000-meter time trial uh, <laughs> first day of camp, but <laughs> wow, we had a lot of fun. What is it? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm curious like what you maybe recognized in one another beyond the fact that you both could push each other. You know, there's a lot of people out there who, you know, they're in a training group or they recognize like, okay, here's a person in my community that I can tap into in terms of pushing me. But it's also, I think, uh, unique and a good side of the relationship that I've heard about you folks is that you kind of, at least from my understanding, you check the ego and you have the ability, like you mentioned, that you know, if you do have to make it a high quality session, oftentimes that means staying in the prescribed training zone you're supposed to stay in and not, for example, trying to match another athlete's pace necessarily. How long did that take to evolve and how did that evolve? Like, okay, it's mutually beneficial for both of us to work together to get faster rather than kind of seeing it as like, oh, this person's going to take away from a potential podium kind of thing. I thought that was something in that first year that we had with CXC. Uh, we had a group of athletes that I felt like every single person brought something to the team that they were the best in the group at. And, you know, whether it was Matt with his incredibly strong legs, uh, passing everybody with going no pulls, L3 uh, intervals uphill, and uh, to, you know, Andre Watts and or Brian Cook striding to – Derek Cousy's running or double pull. I think it's just built over, you have to have a lot of respect for your competitors and and then the self-discipline to say, hey, I can use this session and today to help myself win later on or do I want that instant gratification of you know, trying to win today's workout and what does winning today's workout really mean? And I think uh, Andre Watt and I, that first year on the CXC team, we definitely... Uh, you, you know, as uh, we were on the, the the B team, so we had to pay for everything. And Brian and Cook and Cuzzy were on like the A team, so the funded team. So there was a lot of like, oh, we got to beat those guys so we can get on the the, the fully funded team. <laughs> so, That'll be a motivator. Yeah, and then uh, 
and then uh and then uh we kind of morphed that into that inner team you know competitiveness within that first year or so to then we would just compete with uh sun valley we'd be like oh sun valley stops here you know <laughs> that was our slogan <laughs> so how'd we, that work oh it was great i mean we we were just pushing each other i mean it was uh this was you know, this was back before the the arms race with uh, with ski wax. So there was definitely some races that first couple of years where Brian Fish was our coach, where he had was kind of doing World Cup level service, you know, in the U.S. for us, where he would test eight different, you know, type things and and a lot of products and and other teams would just show up with like, hey, it's blue out, we're gonna put on blue. So right. we definitely, uh, we I definitely remember Mikey Sinai getting frustrated a few different races, like, what the hell? Because we would be like one, two, four, seventh in the race, and, and Mikey's like, you're like a classic sprint, like no, yeah. <laughs> I just remember Mikey would just get so pissed, he'd be like, no, he'd just be like, so so Brian, you know, started the the Cold War of arms race with waxes in the U.S. Really, before that, it was you could you could be a I remember Leif Zimmerman showing up at races with his own little mini fleet of test skis. He'd have two match skate skis so he could try four different options and he would wax himself and he would have very pretty competitive skis. You know, you, I don't, you can't do that now in a right. super tour or nationals. You're going to get blown out the build, like just annihilated. So I've got a $20,000 floral wax box and I am mildly competitive at the national level with that wax, which is. Hey, that, that 20, that might be obsolete in 12 months though. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's a whole nother deal. <laughs> right. That's a whole nother deal. <laughs> We're not going to go there. Um, so what are, I, I am curious, like, what are your goals currently, you know, if you guys can speak to this, like, what are your goals skiing wise currently? And Brian, why don't you start with that? Last year, I was very fortunate because I was able to start my new career and, and really continue racing and hold on to fitness from in the past. And that was mostly because my my wife was supporting me so much. And so each year throughout our careers, Caitlin and I have selected one of us each year that one of us is going to be the priority. And, you know, throughout, throughout our careers, we've both been racing, but since we've been married, we, we prioritize one person that inevitably in a relationship, there's going to be times where one one person is going to have to sacrifice something, you know, one person stays up a little later to do the dishes or, or a different sponsor obligations or different mm -hmm. things. And so, you know, we switched off with that, you know, in 2014, it was myself in 2015, it was Caitlin. And so this year, I would say one of my big goals has been really to support Caitlin and for her to come back from, come back from pregnancy and giving birth to Heidi and to be able to win two super tours, you know, while continuing to breastfeed that's something that I, I feel like I've won the race when she wins the race. So that's, yeah. that's probably my biggest focus. And then I, I love skiing. And so, you know, each weekend Matt and I are out trying to, to beat each other and it's kind of fun because we both trained a little bit less. So we're relatively equal and he's probably a little stronger than me right now, but, uh, it makes it makes for some really fun and exciting races. And so I think that's sort of where my goals are is, is, you show up at the race and you you do as best as you can with the preparation that you've done and it is a little mentally challenging because i know what that level takes to be at that that top level well i've done the preparation so it's hard to expect those same results but you focus on okay what can i do today what can i do right now 
Yeah, that's good. I have to say, like, as a side note, it's great to see Caitlin crushing it. And do people say your daughter, does Heidi look more like you or Caitlin? She's got red hair, doesn't she? She has red hair. I think she's pretty cute, so I think she looks like Caitlin. But. <laughs> I, I have to say, she she is. She's got great, I think, big blue eyes. Is that right? Yeah, she has that, she has that ability to look at you in the eyes, and yeah. I don't know what she does, but she seems to work it, and... It's one of the, it's one of my greatest feelings is to to look her in the eye when I get home or to see her and she just it doesn't matter how the day yeah. went she'll make that smile. Cool. That's cool. Okay. Um. Yeah, Matt. What is skiing hold for you like right now? Uh. Well, earlier this year I would maybe hope to qualify for the Canmore World Cups because the the team size is just so massive and you know last year I was you know winning super tours and skiing pretty fast and I was like oh, I probably don't even have to you know, train that hard this summer, maybe be able to get back to, to, to doing those or competing in those. And, um, yeah, I, it, I just underestimated how busy we'd be at the shop and, uh, our, our staff levels and all that good stuff. So I, I didn't put the homework in to be able to achieve that at kind of the, uh, us nationals. And then I, I didn't even go out to Crassberry. So I kind of adjusted my expectations mid season to basically, have fun and just try to do do well in some of the Midwest marathons. And I, you know, obviously I want to have a good showing at the Berkey because most of our customers, they have no, like, well, some of them know it's like, Oh, Matt was on the podium at nationals. That's pretty cool. Like, that's really good. And then some of my customers are like, you know, I was third at us nationals. And they're like, how'd you do at the Berkey? Oh, you were 13th. <laughs> you, had a, you had a bad season. right? <laughs> so, sure. <laughs> so That's the curse of living in the Midwest. It is. I, but we love it. Cause I'm, you know, partially a master blaster, you know, deep down. Right. So I, 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 I love to not stink at the Berkey and uh, it's a, you know, it, having, that's a very glidey race. Like it's, it's a, it's a power glide type of a race usually. And uh, so having good skis really can help. Like, uh, so we love just getting all what's the wax, what's the way, you know, what the grind, the ski, the flay. You know, so it, it's, the, that's what we call the, uh, the Berkey fever. And it's, uh, you know, it's going to get going in full force here right after, uh, this weekend when the Voslope it's done and the pre Berkey's done. And there's really no other major marathon, um, on the calendar before the Berkey. So we right. get this whole two week, you know, feverish lead up to the race. And, um, we've got the Minnesota state meeting there, which is kind of a speed check, you know, the, the people got to focus on that and make sure their kids are dialed for that. Um, but really it's, we got two weeks to get all worked up for the, for the fever. And, um, uh, my, my business partner, AKA my work wife, um, Adam and his wife, Steph are having their first, first little baby, uh, due dates right around the Berkey. So he's not going to go up for the expo in case she, um, has any problems or goes into labor. So I'm solo at the Berkey, which sure. means we're, I'm running two expo booths and waxing for, you know, a hundred plus people up there and, and putting fires out. And I've got some good staff going up and it should help mitigate some of my workload, but there's just stuff that like, I am the lowest common denominator up there. So it's just going to land and there's a problem. It's going to land in my lap. So I'm hoping not to you know, blow my doors off before I even get to the start line. But sure. my expectation is I probably will, if I'm doing my job right, I probably should be fairly compromised at the start of the Berkey. <laughs> so I'm hoping, I'm hoping to make up for that with really fast skis. So, <laughs> and Brian, you're jumping in to race that this year. Oh yeah. Yeah. Berkey's a big yeah. focus. The, uh, Matt and I were actually just skiing this morning and we were going over the list of, uh, 
you know, the current list of elite athletes that are registered. And we were sort of talking about it. And we're like, well, there's a chance. There's not a good chance. <laughs> definitely not even a great chance, but there's a chance. And sometimes that's what you need to, uh, to be able to move forward. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a master blast dream right there. So, okay, well, let, let's, um, I want to get to like your prognostications about like you going over the list in a second, but I, I want to bring up like last year, right? Essentially it was, uh, Akio Mayfeld Karuchi. So Akio and you guys as a breakaway, right? I'm curious, like what was the dialogue between you and, or, or, you know, Brian and Matt respectively, like what was the dialogue like last year when, you know, it was on, like, it was very clear there was your podium and there was a lot of time for things to kind of unfold. I, I, I Brian and I don't think talk to each other very much because we were working so much harder than, than Akio because his skis were a little bit better than ours, but we um, communicated that whole race without having to say very many words. <laughs> I, mean, I would say that that race basically unfolded exactly how Matt and I sort of talked about it ahead of time is we, we sort of knew where the, the field was and the different strengths and we had different places that we were planning to attack. And honestly, we going into the race, I felt like Akio and Matt were the two strongest competitors. And so we were kind of hoping to get away without Akio, but at the same time, I was really happy that he wasn't in that chase group because I feel like he would have been one of the guys in that chase group to bring, bring everybody bring it back up. to us. So, huh? Interesting. Okay. So yeah, yeah uh, it's probably a little different field this year and, and let's speak about the men's field. So like, what was the conversation like when you guys were looking through the registered athletes and who might be kind of have good opportunities this year? Well, I think like the top, top ranked guys are Robin Duviard, Eric Bjornsson, uh, and Ben Washevois. So those three guys are probably your top, top guys on paper. Although Duviard hasn't done a fist race yet this year that I've seen on uh on his fist profile so he'd be a little bit you know he and eric are definitely on paper i would say the strongest skiers but it's also it's a different game you know it's a different game racing the world cup to doing these marathons the terrain isn't quite as challenging it's a little bit more on the flat you have more tactical you know more tactics involved and then the waxing component you know instead of your national team behind you on the waxing side of things you're you're probably kind of piecing it together a little bit more on your own. So that, that adds another thing. Rita Lisa roping in on the women's side, Caitlin, okay. Erica Flowers. Is uh, Rosie coming in too? Frankowski? I think, I think she's going to the ski tour. She is. I, I didn't see her on that well, registration list. Okay. I should qualify that. I like, I think she's going to Europe. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I saw Kyle was on the ski tour, but I think he's still in the U S I don't know if he's going, he would obviously be very strong for the Berkey. He's been the top American before Adam Martin, Tyler Cornfield. Mm -hmm. Ian is Forrest coming Thomas, to Ian Torchia. I think there's a little, I think the field is probably a little deeper on the men's side this year than it was last year. And then also Brian and I are swinging a little smaller mm -hmm. back too. So it'll be, well, yeah, it's a, it's, well, last year was a more realistic gonna, chance this year. <laughs> it's a, uh, the odds are not in our favor. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Um, how about for the women's side for you, Matt, who, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, well, the women, I think it's going to come down to roping and, and Caitlin. And I think, um, you know, I, 
I don't know if either of them strong enough to ski away from the other one. So it'll come down to a sprint on Main Street is my gut feel. And then I kind of like Caitlin's chances in that situation. Yeah, Robinson's been skiing strong. I mean, that's I think she has like a 16-year-old daughter yeah. as well. Uh, yeah, it's a cool story. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, hey, Brian. Well, who is uh, who is prepping your skis? Is Matt doing that for you? We're we're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think one of the first rules for Matt and ourselves is not necessarily to say what's going on with that, right? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say like like historically, how has that been for you guys in terms of the ski prep? And do you? You know, not that it's like tipping off the other, but, it, it, you know, is it is it like, hey, here's what I think is working right now to kind of um, narrow down your testing possibilities and not have it be such a wide open, you know, field when it comes to waxing, grinds, ski flex and, and that. Like, how do you guys work that out or have, how have you worked that out? Well, we, I mean, we usually work on that together. So we haven't exactly nailed down what our plan is, but uh, Pioneer Midwest does, does race wax service and they do a really good job. And so coordinating, coordinating with, with the shop and testing and I don't know, that's maybe a little bit more Matt's area of expertise. It's kind of varied a little bit year to year. So I think like other years when Caitlin's, you know, really probably going to win, like that's a pretty big financial bonus. You know, Caitlin's going to hit the podium for sure. And then like winning's a high percentage chance. So, you know, Brian's going to maybe bring in extra wax or, or support to do skis and feeds and all that stuff to make sure it's so dialed where yeah i i i don't think i've ever rolled up to the start line of a berkey and be like i am guaranteed i'm gonna hit the podium today as long as everything's like kind of okay and you know i have a really good chance to win i don't think i've ever that's not my mindset usually with my skis so i'm just like i just want good skis that are going to be good enough to keep me in it and some years brian has to stress out a little bit more because there's such like he's like i can't screw it up for caitlin because you know, we just need, it's got to, if it's, if it's great, she's going to, she's going to win for sure. And I don't think there's that same pressure on Brian and I, cause we're kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, I just put the ball over the plate and we'll try to make contact and hit a homer. You know, that's kind of our philosophy on it. But when you're waxing for Caitlin and you're waxing for like a clear favorite, there's a lot more kind of pressure on it. And yeah, Brian and I still haven't quite figured out there's a few, there's a few people coming in, like, um, that'll help us with skis. And I bring in some staff and Corey, Mitchell's coming in. He used to work for me last year. He's a super good wax tech. Um, trained with me. Tra- trained with the Hecker brothers, um, who are, did World Cup service for Rex. And he's he was working out west, but he's coming back in for a two week period around the Berkey to help with ski prep and some service work, catch up, and and so we'll bring in some people like that to help with with uh, the ski wax side of things. But then I'm also some of the guys on this um some of the guys on this list. That, I mean, if Brian's like, hey, you know, I need you know. I need you to wax race keys for Caitlin and me like, yeah, I'm, you know, that's for sure. Great. But then I've got some guys on that list that Brian read off. They, they've reached out to me and like, Hey, can pioneer, you know, do my skis for the Berkey? I was like, well, I, I suppose, but, <laughs> but then I was like, and then I'm a, then I'm like shooting myself in the foot there. You know? So I, I, I don't know how to navigate that po- politically a little bit, you know, so we're getting kind of a, and I even get guys at this, you know, I didn't tell Brian this this morning yet. I meant to, but we were talking about, um, HSA health savings plans and stuff versus ski waxing. So we didn't we didn't get to but the uh, dude you guys are getting old. We're getting old, yeah. So the workout's not Brian, long enough. Yeah, and and Brian asked me, he's like, oh you're gonna we're gonna race a super tour at worth and he was kinda like, Man, I was kinda like, Man, I mean it's a sprint in a, in a classic ten K, but I got I got guys on this list that want Pioneer to wax their skis for the super tour, you know, as well for at worth. So I was like, I I don't 
I, you know, I was probably going to jump into the distance classic race, but I don't need to do any sprint stuff. Like I never was good at that. Even when I was 20, let alone 36. Yeah. And no, we're, we're still trying to figure out our best Berkey whack strategy. Cause it is a, it's a, it's a longer, flatter, I mean, people think the Berkey's super hilly, but it's really not that hilly. I mean, Brian, Greg, and I, you know, almost we're going to double pole Celia Hills this year. And it snowed a bunch. It was pretty cold, so we didn't, but we probably would have. Um, so, it, you know, the speed we're going at, we roll up a lot of those hills. So half the hills you cut in half. And, you know, when you're farther back in the race, you can't do that because there's so many warm bodies everywhere. You can't carry speed, you know, so take the vertical of the Berkey and just delete half of it. And that's what Brian and I are looking at versus everyone else, which is kind of nice in the front there. But, um, yeah, glide speed is really, really pretty important. You've, you know, we've definitely, I've definitely seen a lot of Berkeys where guys that I've should have dropped and should have been way off the back, you know, get sucked along because they have really good ski speed. And then when you're, when you're 49 K into a 50 kilometer race and you're there and you can smell blood at the finish line anything can happen there you break a pole you have a good sprint you know you get boxed out you step on somebody i mean i've seen you know i've seen an i've seen an italian guy literally chuck norris karate kick a a russian guy's pole in half with a with a 500 meters to go because that was like the main threat to their team so (laughs) i have you can you i've seen everything out there right so the best way to win the burke year to do good is like what you know brian and i did and i was super pumped skiing over the you know lake and main street over the bridge and i was like this is great like we're gonna go one two three like the worst i can do is third so i was i was super pumped about that and i knew i didn't have the final sprint in me, I wasn't quite feeling a super peppy and I didn't have that gear, but I saw Brian and Akio take off and I just was awesome. I got to watch, watch it unfold. I was definitely, you know, Brian hadn't won it yet. So I was really hoping he would maybe, sure, you know, pull it out, pull it out. You know? So <laughs> I was thinking like, maybe I should have like sprinted behind Brian and like pushed him from behind. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I had no more gas left in me and I've done that plenty of times when you sprinted down main street with, uh, 15 other guys, 20 other guys. And I didn't have great skis. So I worked harder the whole rest of the race. And then you go to sprint at the end and there's, there's no gas left in the tank. And I've gotten, you know, 20th out of 20 guys sprinting. And sometimes, you know, I have a good one. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm sixth out of 20 guys sprinting to, to main street. So I'm not, and I don't do generally as well as if it gets, uh, you know, s- you know, sucked along and then a giant sprint finish. But, you know, if you, you know, back in the day, 10 years ago, you know, Brian Cook was, or no, uh, Chris Cook was third, you know, he's a sprinter. Like yeah. he had no business, he had no business getting sucked along for 50 K, but it was a very fast, I see Berkey and he on, was on a really fast pair of skis and he'd get shelled every uphill, you know, he's kind of hanging off the back and he'd just come roller coastering back. And yeah, that guy went into sprint mode with 500 meters to go and he moves really, really, really quick. That's like not a sport that I can play. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so any hot like uh any good stock tips right now brian <laughs> yeah <laughs> well having tesla a while ago would have been good but i don't think you want to buy that now. <laughs> that's right no, we actually we do more we, we don't do individual stocks uh so yeah. much as as we do uh looking at different allocations and financial planning and we're looking at more of a long-term long-term strategies rather than short-term gains short-term games and brian brian will not let me in so brian manages my retirement funds now and yeah. uh he, you can't talk about yeah, that sure. yeah he, uh, he won't let me I, every time i go ski i'm like bitcoin can i put it in bitcoin <laughs> and he is <laughs> <laughs> he is not not letting me put any money in cryptocurrency so 
That's why you have other people who are smarter or more prudent it, it, right, manage it, stuff exactly. like that. Exactly. Brian does this every day and he's good at it. He's been doing his own stuff since we were, you know, I wish I would have maybe started a little sooner in life with that. But I remember sure. uh, Andre Watt and Brian would be talking about investments, you know, back on the team when they were like, you know, 22, 23, 24 with me. And I was, you know, all I was thinking was like, you know, I don't know what I was thinking about, but it wasn't, it wasn't retirement. <laughs> <laughs> Wax of the day. Yeah. <laughs> well, great. Well, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. And it's always nice to kind of speak to folks who like are collaborative and help one another out. Yeah. Thanks for your time. And good luck in the next couple of weeks. Thanks, Jason. Thank, yep. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nordic Nation. And if you yourself are entering or jumping into the American Berkebiner, best of luck.